Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. excited great, great worship today i'm really excited to get in the word we have started this year with a series called searching for a better life and um you really there's two kind of people there's people that have given up or there's people that are searching for a better life and and my goal is is regardless of where you are or or in that process or where you might sit that that this these set of teachings might stir something in you so if you're that place where you're if you're really honest you come here and you put a smile on um, but back there at home where the door is shut, nobody else sees, there's something inside of you that's given up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pick you up a little bit today. We're, we're going to give you a couple of things and some ideas of, of how you can maybe get a little bit back on track um, and back to what God's calling you to do. And then the, for those of you who are like, you know what, I, I, I yeah, I want to do something better. And it's always this time of the year, right? Like, how many of you actually do resolutions? Look around. Look around. So there's a handful of people that raise their hand and everybody else is like, well, I kind of, I don't know. Do you know that the research says 90% of resolutions are abandoned by the middle of January? Would you agree? Anybody been there? Anybody abandoned? Anybody already? You signed up for the gym and you've already stopped going. Right? I mean, we do the, we do this type of scenario. We do the whole deal where, yeah, I'm going to, this year, this is my year. All right, it's 2020, so I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Right? Come July, you're only 30 pounds away. Anybody else? Right? The, the reality being that it is so hard for us. And there's this thing, there's this struggle that's going on inside of us. And, and I want to today, today I want to deal with that. I, I, I want to put our finger on a couple things today that I think if you'll practically put some of these things in place and deal with some things in your life, that maybe you could find some freedom. Maybe you could find something new, something more beyond that same mountain you've been running around. That same resolution that it comes back again. Because I was thinking about it the other day. There's a couple of resolutions that I thought of that when I, I was like, okay, by the time I'm 40, 
I'm going to pop, 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 right? And I thought about it the other day, like next month I turned 50. And I, there's several of those that like never happened. I never followed through. I never, and there's something inside of each and every one of us that has this ongoing struggle. So I'm going to dive into that, but let's, let's jump in. This is kind of the theme verse we're using for the whole series. John 8, 31, it says this. To the Jews who had believed in him. So I want to stop and remind you that what we're reading today and almost everything we're going to read today is written to Christians. That's really, really important because some of it, if you read it, you might think, well, that's a message for an unbeliever. And it's not, right? These are messages written to you and I. These are messages written to Christians. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth. That's so important for us to catch that reality that it's then you will know the truth. In other words, some of us, because we're so scientific minded, we're like, well, if I can prove God, then maybe I'll believe in God. And what I need you to hear is once you experience God, he expects you to respond and then you will learn truth. Then truth will, it's a process, right? It's a process that we're all going through. Then you will know truth. And guess what happens then? The truth will what? Set you free. Set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Let me put that in a modern context. I've been in church all my life. I'm all right. Right? I've been in church all my life. I'm good. Yeah, when I was eight, yeah, I, I walked the aisle. Well, and then I walked it again when I was 11, just to make sure. And then I, and then I got baptized, but I think I might get baptized again. Come on, does that sound familiar to anyone? What's, that's, that's, an on, that's a regular going story that, that's inside of us. And, and, and he would say, hold on a second, because maybe there's some slavery in your life that you're not thinking of Christians. And he might say that to us. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins, catch this, is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. Here's what that means. Put this in context. Who is he talking to? Again, he's talking to Christians, not to, not to non-Christians, right? Or the lost. He's talking to Christians. And he's saying, you don't have a permanent place in the family. And you go, wait, 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 what does that mean? It's not that you lose your salvation. It's the reality that when you have a permanent place in the family, you get all the benefits of being in the family. Right? And so you have this scenario where you live this life, and it's not the John 10 10 life that it's, you're gonna lead, you're gonna have life and life to the full. I just have life, and I'm waiting to get to heaven one day. And so many of us, so many Christians are living that life frustrated with relationships. And frustrated with, with, with kids and, and, and ongoing issues and the struggles and strife. And it has to do with being slaves to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Two words. What is it? Free indeed, right? And so there's this battle that every single one of us is going through on the inside of us. There's this ongoing scenario, and we talked about last week, that we have our body, and our body's screaming. Depending on what you're doing for 21 days of fasting, maybe your body's been screaming at you a little bit, right? Here's what I found. So I I don't know if I told what I told you guys last week, but I'm doing fasting all week, and then I'm eating moderately on the weekend. So I get to Friday night, and I'm like, yes, Lord Jesus, you know, right? It's party time, right? And, and, um, and I got to Friday night and I ate something 
And I was full. I could feel that I was full. You, you understand what I mean? But I wanted more. Anybody else? Anybody else go eat when you're full? And, and, and there's something, listen, there's something missing there because it didn't satisfy what really needs to be satisfied in me. Are you catching what I'm saying to you? Right? The reality of, of when we fast and when we do this, we see that is not where we get satisfaction. Galatians 5 and 17 says it this way. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are op- opposed to each other. To keep you from doing things that you, whew, that you want to do. Are there things that you want to do? Of course there are things you want to do. Of course there's the reality of the temptation around us and all those kind of things. And that's why I love Paul. Because Paul lived a crazy life. Paul murdered Christians. Paul was this, I mean, he was, he was a jerk when it really comes down to it. And he had this transition and, and he ends up writing two thirds of the Bible, ends up being this massive figure in our faith and our belief system that we look up to. But I want you to see what he says in Romans seven fifteen. I don't understand myself at all. <laughs> I'm so grateful that's in the Bible. Anybody else? Anybody else? Like, seriously, when you, when you look at the things you do or the things you say, you know, I joke around about like the left lane. Or I joke around at times and things you get mad and like a couple of times I got mad this week and I was thinking of this verse and I'm like, what is my deal? And so I'm so grateful that Paul is so real with us and says, I don't understand myself at all for I really want to do what's right. Right? But I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Now, if Paul had this struggle... How many of you know we're all going to have this reality of this struggle? Right? The, the reality of, and it's so funny how, because I see it all the time. Because I wish you could kind of like jump into my world just for a day and see what it's like. Because everywhere I walk in, people kind of go, oh, Pastor Mike, spit out your gum. You understand what I mean? Like, like, like when I go to the police station and, and I'm Chaplain Matheny at the police station and the guys are like, you saw Chaplain's here. <laughs> and, and, and it's so funny how we, 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 we see this, this struggle inside of us. So we've got this battle and every single one of us is dealing with it. This battle of doing things I don't want to do. And, and, and here's, here's a reality. Many of us have made a decision for Jesus and maybe years ago. And when that happened, there's a whole lot of things that were taken out of our life, a whole lot of desires that were taken out of our life. And there's a transformation that comes. But if we're all honest, there's at least one or maybe a few things we just can't seem to kick. Anybody else? Those things that just, that's our thing. That's our, that's our place. That's our struggle. And so here's what happens. We choose something sinful. And I want to show you this progression that happens. We choose something simple, uh, sinful. And then it becomes our identity. It, it, it becomes who, who I actually am. And so we say things like, I'm an alcoholic. And I need to say something to you. I, I have all respect in the world for AA. But that's the one part of it I just don't care for. Because, sir, ma'am, you're not an alcoholic. 
You're a child of God redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ who struggles with alcohol. It's why I don't like to look at the same sex community and say queer or gay or whatever the type, because those are identities. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? That becomes who you are. Like I have to go to a gay bar. Well, there's not a liar bar. Is there, is there a liar bar? But, but, but hear me out on this. And, and so what happens is, is it becomes an identity. Like we chew, well, that's just who I am. Yeah, you know, well, Matheny's. Matheny's just have a temper. So that left lane thing's kind of just normal for us, you know. Or, or I'm Irish. That's why I punch people. <laughs> that's, that's choosing an identity. But what happens is the next progression from that is hopeless. Hopelessness starts to set in inside of us. Because this is who I am, I become hopeless about the fact that I might be able to overcome. And I need you to hear some words this morning that, man, the Holy Spirit just like bolded for me. I need you to hear this. You, according to the Bible, are not a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Did you catch that? You're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And so we, but we find ourselves taking on this identity and hopelessness come. And then what comes next? Defensiveness. So our spouse says to us, Hey honey, I think you know I don't have a problem with that. Our friend says, you know, yo bro, that's not real. Hey, well you mind your own business. Stay out of my business. Right? Anybody? Anybody ever gotten... And you see people get defensive and you can see, you can touch people's buttons and they get defensive and then ultimately we become a slave. And that's the progression that each one of us is battling. And here's what I need you to understand. Today's message is called truth will set you free. Truth will set you free. My job today is to do the best I can to hold up truth in front of you and confront the lies that the enemy has made you buy and swallow and eat and take on an identity that led you to hopelessness, that led you to defensiveness, that now led you to be a slave to that thing that we just cannot seem to, to, to beat. Putting it in modern, modern terms, we need some new thinking. We need some new programming. We need, we need, we need to change. We need to put some new files in because the files have gotten corrupted. The issue is right here between our ears. The issue is right here in our thought process. So I want to give you a couple thoughts and, and I'm going to delve into something that for some people it's a little weird. It's a little, okay, Pastor Mike, you're going to talk about this. And as a matter of fact, Barna, who does a lot of research, um, all over the country and, and comes up with this says almost six out of ten people 59% listen to me 59% of American Christians Do not agree with the statement that I'm about to make So I'm about I'm about to make a statement to you That 59% of the people sitting in churches right now all over of our country do not agree with And for some of you maybe a little Little weird. I don't know, but this is the statement Number one is, there really are demons. The devil is not a force or a symbol. He, he is an entity. And his demons are entities. And the enemy, listen to me, um, the enemy would be happy for you to not know he was there. 
or to not think he's there. You know why? Because you won't actively fight what is not there in your mind. Are you actively spiritually fighting right now for you and for your family? Have you thought about that lately? If you thought about that reality, and I want to talk a little bit about that. But now, now for some of you, I brought up demons. And some of you, because of your background, you went, oh yeah. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. Go ahead, Pastor Mike. Come on. And I need to give you a quote. Listen to me. I need to give you a quote by C.S. Lewis, amazing writer. And he said this, Satan hails the skeptic and the superstitious alike. Here's what that means. Satan loves for you to look for him under every bush. Some of us, you know, come on, you run out of gas. Oh, there's a demon in my gas tank. Mm. No, you just didn't stop at the shell station, sister. Come on now. Right? There's not a, and, and so Satan's more than happy for you to be living life like that because that's living life in fear. But he also loves for you to live in a life where you don't even think about it. You deny it and you do the ostrich thing. And we don't look at the reality that there is an enemy of our soul. There is, I need you to hear this this morning. There's an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of your marriage. There's an enemy of your kids. And we have to be very real to understand that. Number two, we can be under their influence. We can be under their influence. Now, for some people, they're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying, Pastor Mike, that Christians can be possessed? Probably not in the terms of what you're saying. Because in the Bible, the word possession is ownership. Right? It's, it's an ownership. And that's not at all the scenario. So, I got a phone call this year. And it was from Misty Buckner calls me one day and says, I need Crescenda to drive the kids, this and that, blah, blah, blah. We got robbed at the soccer field. Right? And so while they were at the soccer field, out of Hickory Point, somebody broke into a bunch of cars, stole all their stuff. Guess what that person didn't want? He did not want them to know that he was there. The thief does not want you to know that he's there. The thief did not come over to the announcer at the soccer field and say, can I borrow the mic for a second? Hey, I'm here, about to rob your car. And the same, listen to me, Satan is more than happy for you to not think he's there. More than happy for us to pretend like things are just kind of happenstance or I just have bad luck or life is just against me. No, 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 no. There's an enemy of your soul. And, and listen to me. Those people robbed Misty and her friend's cars. The thieves didn't own the car, but they sure influenced her life. And so the enemy of your soul, the thief, the demons, and, and Satan can have an influence on you. They can influence your thinking. They can influence your family. Look at Ephesians 4 and, and, and 26. In your anger, do not sin. This is one issue the devil's gonna, uh, the, the uh, Bible's going to talk about in this scenario. In your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a what? A foothold. A foothold. In other words, don't give him a place where he has influence. That's, 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 that's what a foothold is. We're going we're to talk a little bit more about that reality. Don't give him a foothold. Uh, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Come on, somebody. At some point, as I drove Marcus around Leesburg and I was showing him around Leesburg and showing him this and showing him that. And um, I can tell you a funny story. So we're driving downtown and, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but Marcus is a little tanner than me. Did y'all notice that? 
Yeah, he's a little, just a little bit. I mean, I'm working on my town, working on it this weekend. But no, we're, we're driving downtown and we pull up and the police have it blocked off. And I know the officer. So I pull up, we're talking and I said, dude, what's going on down here? And he's like, it's the MLK parade. And I went, Oh, cool, cool. So we pull away and I went, dang, why did we not even know the MLK parade? Marcus put his hand on my shoulder and said, you need a little, a few more black people in your life, Pastor Mike. <laughs> I said, I hear you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But, but I want you to hear that, that when I drove around town with him, I showed him everything, y'all. Like, like he's considering, you know, possibly being a part of Church of the Lakes and we're looking at him. And, and so I wanted him to understand. So I, I rode him through Carver Heights and showed him some of the best spots. I know those now, riding with the police officer. I, we rode through all kinds of different neighborhoods and places, and I explained things going on here at the school. That new article came out. Leesburg's like, you know, top 10 list of dangerous cities in Florida. Isn't that crazy? Based on violent crime and all this. And he was kind of amazed as he was looking, because like, this is a cool little town and the lake and all this kind of stuff. But the enemy, listen to me, the enemy is stealing things around us. And I... Would like to stand up and I'd like for you to stand up with me and us say, you shall steal no longer. Amen? But it's gonna take, listen, it's gonna take God's people getting very serious about that reality. That we have demonic activity, there are, the demons are real, and they are not only influencing us and our family, but they're in our, they're, they're, they're influencing our community. Sometimes they're walking the halls of this, this school that we're in right now. And, and, and I think all it takes for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing. And so we, we, we've got to wake up. Now let me give you number three. This is the good news. Because for some of you, you're sitting there with the deer in the headlights like demons and I don't, I don't want to walk out the car by myself. All right, listen, listen. Number three, number three. They have to flee in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. They have to flee. In Jesus' name. This is not in your notes, but let me read this to you. The 72 returned with joy. Let me give you the story behind this. So, so Jesus sends out not just the 12 disciples, but he sends out 72. And they go out and he gives them the power to pray and heal and cast out demons and do all these kind of things. And they come back to Jesus to report. Here, here's what happens. The 72 report, uh, returned with joy saying, Lord, and, and I just got this picture because a lot of them were, were guys. So come on, guys, you know how it is after you like won a ball game? Like everybody's high-fiving and you know, on the butt. Good game, bro. You know, like can't you see a disciple going, good game. Anyway, um, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to our, us in your name. They're like, dude, we did all this cool stuff, but even the demons, bro. You know what I mean? Like, good game, dude. I mean, they were excited. Now listen, I want you to catch Jesus' response. He replied. And let me precursor. If I had to add in and paraphrase what I think he's saying here, he's like, guys, chill out. It's really not that big of a deal. Like, you're acting like this is some kind of a big deal. But he says... I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, back in the day, when, when Satan decided to rise up in heaven and try to take over and all, I saw him try to fight with my father. Father God, I saw this fight. You want to know how long that fight lasted? Lightning bolt. Bam, over. Like we've got this picture that, that, that there's this cosmic battle of God, you know, because we've got like the Star Wars thing in our head. 
Right? And then and it's like this, ooh, he's doing good. And, ooh, now he's doing good. And, that, this is not what it looks like. Listen to me. There is God. And there is Satan. Do you hear him? And, and, and he says, listen, guys. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, and I want to say this to you. You need to hear this, man and woman of God. Listen to this. I've given you authority to trample on snakes, which are symbolic of demons. Scorpions, also symbolic. And to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, listen, do not rejoice when the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So, so we've got to put balance to this. We've got to understand demonic activity is very real. We have an enemy of our souls. It's not something to play around or, with, or forget, but it's also something not for us to, not, to fear. There's no, there's no fear. Lightning bolt. Come on, somebody. Right? Like it, you have the authority and the power. If you are walking and communing, and that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because we're trying to separate from the things of the world and stir the spirit man inside of us. Come on, what you what you feed grows. What you starve dies. That's a summary of 21 days of prayer. Right? That we would starve those things up and then feed our spirit and have our spirit rise up. So, so I want to I want to kind of jump into this and look at this concept of the truth will set you free. Second Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, so now we understand there are demons. We know they can influence us. We know we have the power to speak Jesus' name and declare them. But now we need to understand the warfare. We need to understand the playing field, right? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We don't use bombs. We don't use tariffs. And democratic summits, diplomatic summits, right? We don't, we don't use worldly weapons. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, what's the word? Strongholds. Let me define strongholds for you. If you look up strongholds in any Bible dictionary, encyclopedia, commentary, whatever, here, here's a definition you're gonna get. A stronghold is a prisoner Locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. Another definition is living by something that is not true. And so our battle, it's amazing how we think of Satan. So we picture Satan and we picture demons. And we're scared because we're like, man, Satan's he's big and bad and powerful and I don't know. We got this picture of like Satan's like a big old muscular guy with a pitchfork. He's going to poke me in the butt. He's going to beat me up. He's going to beat up my... No, 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 no. That's not the war. He's a little scrawny thing. You know what his weapon is? Lies. Just simply lies. Deception from the truth. There's God's reality and his truth of how things work. And then there's lies that we have a tendency to look by. Look at John 8 and uh, 44. When the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's Jesus' job description of Satan. Right? Look at this next one. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension. So here's, here's the lies. 
arguments and pretensions. So things that we hear, right? And so when you watch, whether you watch CNN or you watch Fox. I'm so excited. Anybody else excited? It's election year. I hope Jesus comes back before November. You know what I'm saying? Right? It's, it's crazy. But listen to me. Their arguments and lies and deception. Like even our, even the secular culture knows that the battle is won with words. Okay? So there's the big battle over abortion. Right? What you'll notice is that those who are for, and I'm not, don't, don't get crazy on me political, just listen, hear me out. Okay? But those who are for abortion don't say the word abortion anymore. Because they've done polling and they figured out that's a little too graphic for people. So if you watch, what you'll hear is choice. Choice, choice. Because choice is softer, it feels better. You understand what I'm saying? And so even our world, advertisers, I mean, even when we were trying to set up like the website for the church and the thing, we're looking at what, what are the words? How does it say? Like that's the whole, the whole, the whole deal is words. The whole deal is lies. And so it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is the battle. That's why Joyce Meyer wrote, Battlefield of the Mind. You want to know where all of your issues lie? It's not in the person sitting next to you. It's not in your kids. It is between your ears. It is right in here. Lies that we have bought. Things that we have set up in our head. Right? I told the story. It's been a long time since I told it. But when I was in middle school, um, I went to ask this girl to go with me. Anybody remember when you asked people to go with you? And my mom would always say, well, where y'all going? And I'd be like, shut up, mom. Right? So I go to ask this girl, and I can't say her name because we're friends on Facebook now. But um, I go to ask this girl, and, and it's in front of a bunch of people. And I, I'm stupid. I'm a middle school boy. Come on now. I'm just, I'm stupid now. But anyway, so I, I, I walked up, and there's a whole gang of girls. So that is the perfect time to ask a girl, right? Perfect. Like, hey, that's a little hint for y'all, you know. All right, anyway. So I walk up, and I say, hey, will you go with me? Well, I embarrassed her. She felt weird. She felt kind of in front of her friends. So she struck back. So what'd she say? No, you're too fat. You laughed. That was ugly. No, I'm kidding. Right? But listen, but here's, here's my point. That girl helped set a lie in my head that I believed for years. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Changed my behavior. Changed the way I looked at myself. It was, it was one stupid lie. Right? That... She didn't necessarily mean it, at least I hope she didn't, but she didn't mean it as much as she was striking out. And how much do we do that to each other? How much do we do that to ourselves? And how much does the any of me of your soul continue to whisper in your ear? You don't know what you're doing. You don't have a clue. You go to church and you put on your smile and you raise your hands. Last time you prayed, you ended up finishing your grocery list. And we all, have, listen, and we all have these lies, these things that are pumping through our head, things that have been said to us, words that have been spoken over us, and words that the enemy of our soul is saying inside of us. And what I need you to hear is that's the battle. 
The battle is for you to take the lies of the enemy and replace them with the truth of who God says. You are child of the king. Raised to do great things. The power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The power to cast out demons. Lightning bolt. Not a Star Wars battle. Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? There it is again. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Want me to keep going? Ephesians 4 and 22. You were taught to put off your old self. Well, yeah, I would like to do that. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desire. I know. To to be made new in the attitude of your minds. In your minds. The battle is right here. We defeat the enemy, check this out, by replacing lies with God's truth. We defeat the enemy by replacing lies with God's truth. And so I want to do that. I want to start that process for you today. Because... That process is not something you're going to do. It's not something I can do in a 30-minute sermon. Do you understand? Like, I, I can't help you clean that hole. I can't help you deal with each particular issue or thought process. or all. I, can't, I can't do that for you. But what I can do is I can give you a couple simple basic truths this morning to get you started on that path. Because your answer for your life is not a financial breakthrough. Your answer for your life is not for your husband to get more romantic. Your answer for your life is not for your wife to stop nagging you. Your answer is not for your kids to go to Yale. Your answer for your life is for you to overcome the lies that sit right here. That the enemy of your soul has planted inside of you to take you away from what it is that God has called you to do. And so I want to give you three simple truths to close today to start you on that process. Number one. Number one. God loves you and is for you. God loves you and is for you. I need you to stop for a minute. Listen to me. Don't react to that statement. Just take it in. Because your initial reaction, we have a tendency to go to extremes. Your initial reaction is go going to go one way or the other. Because when I say God loves you, you either go, yeah, no, I grew up in church. No, 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 don't, don't dismiss it like that. Stop and think about what it takes for the creator of the universe who we continually deny. And we continually not do what he wants us to do. To every day. We wake up again and his mercies are new. That's ridiculous. He loves you. Like, and he's for you. One of the lies the enemy has planted in some of your brains is that, well, God's doing this to me and he must be mad at me. And if I was a little more this way, he would probably bless me. Or find, listen to me, that's a bunch of prosperity gospel junk. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He just loves you because he's God and that's who he is and what he does. If God had a refrigerator, 
your picture would be on it. And every time he went to get some milk, he'd look at your picture and go, they're so cool. He would. That is how God looks at you. And even as I'm saying it, listen to me, some of you are having a spiritual battle even in the moment as I'm saying it. There is something inside of your ears going, eh, well, maybe. That sounds good in church. And I need you to reprogram your thinking. And it's going to take some work. You hear what I'm saying? It's going to take some work. I have a creed that I have that I'll share with you guys sometime that, that is something that I say every morning. Because I'm a child of God and, 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 and I've got all these statements. I'm not, I don't, I don't, um, I don't train leaders. I am a leader and I make leaders. It's who I am. Every time I make that statement, I say that statement, I have a spiritual battle. The little boy inside of Mike goes, yeah, right. That's not, you're not man enough for that yet. Come on. every And it's, it's, it's a battle inside us. Can I read you a verse that's been way overread and we have a tendency to brush it off? And ask you to listen to it new this morning. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son. His one and only son. No one loves you like that. Nobody. There are very few people on this planet that love you more than I do. If it comes down to thinking about you and praying for you, I promise you there's very few people on this planet that love you more than I do. But I must tell you now, if it came down to you or Crescinda, good luck. But God loves you so much that he gives his only son. And this is why, this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger tell the world how bad it was he came to help God loves you God is for you number two number two I can be free I can be free I'm going to ask you to do me a favor just a second I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to say those four words out loud and no matter how silly you feel or no matter what voices are whispering in your ear, I want you to say them anyway. I want you by faith to say those words, right? Four simple words. I can't be free. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. And you can be free. Romans 8, 1 and 2. You no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. Can I get an amen there? The spirit of life in Christ with a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifeline of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Some of us, I'm going to say some of you, some of us, continue to let sins dominate our lives. Continue to let the enemy And I need you to hear this morning, you can be free. And it's as simple as this. It's not that you go from 15 minutes of prayer to 30 minutes of prayer. It's not that you show up every Sunday and you you go to these classes and you do this and I've got this devotional and all. Man, we're all so, so trying to please God that he might bless us. That's not the battle. He wants to bless you. 
The problem is not his blesser. The problem is my thinking. The problem is the way that I live according to the lies that I believe. When I make it all about me. And you you just need to know whatever that is. Listen to me. When you click that button and look at that porn site. When you flirt with somebody at the office. When you fudge the numbers. Tax time. The business transaction. When you get angry and fly off the handle. You don't lose your salvation. Right? You're bought with a price. Redeemed and bought with a price. That's not the that's not the issue. The issue is that that sin or those behaviors brings the influence of the enemy to remind me how much I'm not like God that I say those words over and over and over again. Listen, depression is a spiritual issue. Depression is a spiritual issue. It is being captive to the lies of who God dealt with uh, dealt with a kid this week that um, it was a tough one I just gotta be honest but I could see the spiritual battle I could see the reality of this young person just had bought so many lies of who they aren't and who the world says they are and what they lack and what they miss and so, so many of us do. We, we look in the mirror and we struggle with what we see. We struggle with the fact that we don't match up. Ladies, all them women are airbrushed, y'all. <laughs> right? And yet, and yet we say these things and we whisper these things in our head. And I need you to hear, listen to me. It's lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. And you've got to open God's word, his love letter to you and read that you're a masterpiece and remind yourself of that. Listen to me daily. This is why you need to read your Bible daily. Not because it's going to please God that it's going to, because it's going to replace the lies in your head with God's truth. And that's what brings freedom. God loves you. He's for you. You can be free. And number three is this. This one's big. I can be restored. I can be restored. Boy, after 15 years of being a youth pastor, um, I've had, unfortunately, I've had several times when somebody walked into my office and, Pastor Mike, I need to talk to you. Okay. Um, Well, I think I'm pregnant. Okay. And what I've seen over and over again in a situation like that, is there's two routes. There's a route of the lies of the enemy and there's the route of the truth of who God is. And so you'll see a, a young woman who has been waiting and all this and she makes a mistake and goes to the wrong place and, and sleeps with this guy. And then all of a sudden it's, I lost my virginity, I'm trash, whatever. And the next thing it's sleep with person after person after person. And they feel like I'm trash, I'm no good, it's lost, God doesn't love And living a path of lies. There's one specifically I remember that I had the opportunity to look at and go, that's not who you are. And I need you to hear this morning, you are not your mistakes. You are who God says you are. 
And God wants to restore you. He wants to restore your mind. He wants to restore your heart. He wants to heal those places where the enemy has gotten footholds and strongholds and has you buying lies and living your life and living out your marriage and living out your relationship with your kids and living out family relationships. All, listen to me, based on lies. And God wants to do that. He wants to restore you. Psalm 71. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter. Come on, somebody. You will restore my life again. Somebody needs to write that down and put it on your mirror. You will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. That is a prophetic word for somebody today. That if you so choose... The God who loves you so much and is for you wants to bring you freedom and not just freedom from, but restoration. Amen. Would you close your eyes for a second? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul being so honest about how hard it is. So grateful, God. And I pray today, God, for everyone here. Anybody here who's battling with just lies of what the enemy has laid in into their mind of who they are and who they aren't. God, would you help us to renew our minds with your truth? Would you guide us towards freedom and restoration as we step towards you? And with your eyes still closed, if there's anyone who has never taken Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, made that decision, I just want to give you that opportunity today. That today you would say, I understand God a little bit different. And I'd like to follow him and I'd like him to restore my life. And bring me freedom. And if that's you today, it's just as simple as confessing him as your Lord. Acknowledging your sins today. And confessing, God, you are my Lord. I'm going to do as best as I understand today. I'm going to live my life for you. And for others of us today... It's a recommitment to 21 days as we go through this that we ask him to bring restoration and truth as we get away from the things of this world that he brings his truth into our mind and brings freedom and restoration into our lives. We thank you, God, for this time. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God said...